Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story is, I think, a really interesting one, which highlights the very real dangers which an affair can bring. As you know, when strong feelings and jealousy are involved, it doesn't take long for a situation to rapidly deteriorate. But firstly, I'd like to thank my supporters on Patreon. I'm recording this on the Saturday morning before heading off for a couple of weeks, so I'll name check any new supporters on my return. But so far, a huge thank you to this week's new supporters. That's Vegas Runaway, Mark Morley, Dave Owen, Alex and Elizabeth Cloud who increased her support. I hope you're enjoying the 18 full-length bonus episodes and this week's video which shows all the podcast stats and has a guest appearance from my dog, Buckley. The US and UK music charts in April 2015 were topped by Bob. Sorry, I meant to say Wiz Calafia featuring Charlie Puth, with the track See You Again. In the US, this knocked Uptown Funk from the summit after 14 weeks. And in the Australian album charts, Spirit of the Anzacs by Lee Kernigan was at number one commemorating the historic landing at Anzac Cove on Sunday the 25th of April 1915. In the news this month, Barack Obama and Raul Castro met in Panama. It was the first meeting of US and Cuban heads of state since the Cuban Revolution. A boat carrying approximately 850 migrants was shipwrecked in the Mediterranean Sea between Italy and Libya, with only 27 survivors. And a 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit near Kathmandu in Nepal, killing 8,000, leaving over 100,000 homeless, destroying many historic sites and triggering a deadly avalanche on Everest. Today's story comes from Richmond, North Yorkshire, which is around 60 miles north of Leeds, home of Europe's championship-topping Premier football team. Author Lewis Cowell went to school in Richmond and lived nearby in Croft-on-Tees. From the age of five, Andrew Jackson loved playing football, but one weekend when visiting his auntie and uncle in Richmond, he went to play golf with his uncle. After just a couple of swings, he was totally in love with the sport of golf and football took a back seat. He had a real flair for the sport and for the next 32 years of his life, golf was the most important thing for him and he was employed as assistant professional at Richmond Golf Club for a year and then played on the professional circuit for two years. But lack of funds meant he could not pursue this career. It's a tough environment, and only the very best are able to sustain any sort of a living on the pro golf tour. 
During this period, Andrew was married, and with his wife, he ran a pub until their divorce. After this, he found alternative work as an HGV lorry driver, and at this time, he began internet dating. Andrew was a good-looking guy with bags of charisma, and he wasn't short of dates. Then in 2006, he met Sarah, a pretty, petite, blonde accounts administrator for a car dealership, and she loved his company as much as he enjoyed hers, and they quickly spent all their spare time together. Within weeks, he was making plans for her sons, Bradley, then six, and two-year-old Cameron, to move from Wakefield, West Yorkshire, to live with him in North Yorkshire. His family were a little wary at the pace of their romance, with his sister Sally saying, At first I was happy for Andrew that he'd met someone, but it all happened far too quickly for my liking, especially with children involved. I first met Sarah at my mum's 60th birthday celebration, soon after she and Andrew met. She asked her kids to call me Auntie Sally and mum, Grandma Rosie. I found that a bit strange and felt as though she couldn't wait to get her claws into Andrew. But Andrew and Sarah had no doubts at all about their relationship and they soon moved from Andrew's house to a home of their own nearby and they married in 2010. One of their new neighbours was Caroline Dryden and she and Sarah became firm friends. Caroline's son, Connor, then 15, would babysit Sarah's children when Sarah went out and even at 15 he developed a major crush on Sarah. Sarah was an attractive lady with something, something she had about her and men of all ages found her attractive which caused issues in Andrew's and Sarah's marriage as she couldn't stop reacting to male attention and Sarah was regularly unfaithful to Andrew. With her distinctive dyed blonde hair, she was a familiar figure in the pubs and bars of Richmond where she enjoyed regular girly nights out with friends. One said, Sarah's an outrageous flirt. Whenever I see her out socially, she's invariably being chatted up. During their marriage, the pair had already temporarily separated, including one time the year before when she had confessed to Andrew about one of her affairs. But Andrew was still head over heels in love with his wife and he later forgave her. Andrew's sister Sally didn't approve of his attitude and she said, If Andrew had listened to me when I first warned him about Sarah cheating on him, he would have been free of her. But he loved her and he couldn't see any bad in her at all. Andrew thought he had met his ideal woman. What he had actually met was someone who was so clever she successfully lied to him time and time again. I first heard rumours of Sarah's cheating two years before she and Andrew got married. I was out with Lisa, Andrew's first wife who's still my friend, and we walked into a bar where two men were playing pool. I clearly heard one of them say that Sarah was really good in bed. They then saw me and Lisa standing nearby and went quiet. They knew who we were and realised they'd given the game away. Lisa told me later she'd seen Sarah of the same man a couple of weeks earlier. I knew I had to tell Andrew and the next time I saw him I did. But he brushed it off saying that people just wanted to make trouble for them. But these rumours continued, and then Sally heard whispers about Sarah having an affair with another man she'd met in a local pub. Once more, she looked out for her brother and told Andrew what she'd heard. But once again, what she was saying fell upon deaf ears. It was now 2015. 
and the boy who used to babysit for Sarah, Connor Coleman, had grown up and was now 25. He'd worked as a home help before joining a haulier as a shop blaster and spray painter, and he now joined the same gym as Sarah and his mum Caroline, and he spent some time with the two women working out and playing badminton. But his interest in Sarah extended beyond sport, and she liked the look of the fit young man 14 years her junior. It wasn't long before the two of them started having a sexual relationship around the start of April 2015. This relationship was understandably a secret one. Neither of them told Sarah's friend, Connor's mum, Caroline, although Connor thought his mum did suspect something. And Andrew Jackson was also suspicious, but Sarah denied the affair, having admitted previous indiscretions, and he appeared to accept her denials. But although to Sarah it was a meaningless fling with a good-looking younger man, to Connor it was much more significant. He boasted to his mates about his affair with Sarah Jackson, and he conveniently ignored the fact that he already had a girlfriend. He believed that he and Sarah would move in together, and with a large ego and an inflated view of his own importance, he made grandiose claims about the relationship to his pals. He told them how ever since he babysat for her children, he'd had a crush on her, and how during badminton games, friendly banter turned into flirty bonding. He later said, Even though we were only together for a matter of weeks, I fell for the woman. I was serious about her. She told me that I was hers and that she was mine and that I was her partner. Sarah also told him she was divorced, but of course this wasn't true, and she was still married though her marriage had a number of problems, which she and Andrew were diligently working through. Then on the 25th of April 2015, Sarah, Caroline Connor and a group of friends were out in Richmond, as was Andrew Jackson with some of his friends. And later in the evening, all of them found themselves in the popular Cavern Club. Sarah was chatting and flirting with a different man, and shortly after 11pm, She walked hand in hand with this man out of the main bar to a small room outside the toilets where they were getting very, what do we say, close and intimate. Meanwhile, both her lover Connor and her husband Andrew were also in the main bar. It wasn't ever going to end well. Shortly afterwards, Andrew Jackson walked past Sarah and this other man on his way to the toilets. He clearly noticed them and shot them a look, but he didn't say anything and just walked past on his way. Then Connor came into the same area twice, and the first time he too merely looked at the pair, but the second time he couldn't control his jealousy, approached a man, and confronted him in an aggressive manner. The landlord of the pub saw this confrontation between Connor and the other man, and he threw Connor out. Sarah followed Connor Coleman as he was ejected from the pub, with both of them walking straight past her husband in the main bar without speaking. Andrew watched them leave, and then raised two fingers to his friends as if to say, I'll be back in a couple of minutes, and he followed them out. This decision to follow Connor and his wife out of the pub proved to be a significant one for Andrew, as Connor Coleman brutally attacked Andrew Jackson when he saw him exit the pub. This attack was witnessed by Andrew's wife, and also the landlady of the nearby Turf Hotel, Claire Watson, and by doorman Gary Gardner. Gary saw Coleman hit Andrew four or five times with such considerable force it reminded him of watching cage fighting. He said, 
Coleman was leaning over Andrew Jackson, using his body weight and the full extension of his arm to drive punches into his head. He could see Andrew's head moving under each blow. And Claire Watson said that she could hear the blows, the sound of them impacting, a sickening sound which has stayed with her since that night. And both witnesses also heard Coleman aggressively shouting words to the effect of, you're not such a big man now, as he repeatedly struck Andrew. Eventually, as Andrew lay motionless on the ground, the attack stopped. As her husband lay unconscious and bleeding on the floor outside the pub, rather than tend to Andrew, Sarah walked away arm in arm with Coleman, whose knuckles were dripping with Andrew's blood. Andrew was in a serious bad way. He wasn't breathing, his heart had stopped, and he suffered fractures above his eyes and a traumatic tear to an artery in the base of his skull. Paramedics raced to the scene and desperately worked on Andrew to restart his breathing, and they rushed him to hospital. Andrew's sister, Sally, said, It was the middle of the night when I got a phone call from my mum, telling me that Andrew had been attacked and was seriously ill. He was being kept alive by a ventilator, and I knew in my heart that he wasn't going to recover. His face was swollen and beaten black and blue. We stayed with Andrew, we held his hand, we did his hair for him, and told him we loved him, but we knew we were losing him. Sarah, who'd been arrested for questioning by the police, asked to come to hospital with her boys when she was released. But as a family, we refused. We didn't want her anywhere near him, because to us, she was the one who had put him there. Sally and her 69-year-old mum, Rosemary, kept a vigil at his bedside, but Andrew never regained consciousness, and two days later, they had to make the heartbreaking decision to turn off the life support machine. Andrew Jackson was just 43 years old when he died, succumbing to a bleed on the brain caused by the ferocious assault. As the police questioned Coleman straight after the incident, he initially told police, as he was being questioned just for inflicting grievous bodily harm, that he'd been pestered by Andrew and he only struck out once and was not even sure if it was connected. But after Andrew died and the inquiry changed to a murder investigation, Coleman was quizzed again, this time on suspicion of murder. But now he said nothing as he refused to answer any questions. Following Andrew's death, Sarah paid a glowing tribute to her husband, saying he didn't have a bad bone in his body. She also spoke of the devastating effect the events had had on her two sons, aged 14 and 11. She said, The boys worshipped the ground Andrew walked on. They've been left absolutely crushed because he isn't coming home. The children have lost their dad. We were a family. But these words infuriated Andrew's family and friends, who firmly held her responsible for what had happened to Andrew. Cleared of blame by the police, Sarah headed the mourners at Andrew's funeral. But Andrew's sister Sally later told the Sun newspaper, we didn't go near her at the funeral. No one did. She and her close family sat on the left of the church in the first two pews. There were rows empty behind her while our side was packed. People were sitting in deck chairs at the back rather than sitting near to her. That's how strongly people felt. During the service, Sally emphasised the close bond she had with her brother and said she always looked out for him and he looked out for her. I'm so sorry I wasn't there that awful night to stand in front of him. But after he was taken to hospital, 
His family never left his side, she said. Andrew was on the organ donor register, and this was his final achievement and gift. His kidneys, lung, heart and liver were donated, and all recipients are apparently doing well. In court, Connor Coleman admitted the manslaughter of Andrew Jackson, but pleaded not guilty to murder. The prosecuting QC opened proceedings as follows. The Crown's case is that Coleman's attack on Andrew Jackson was entirely unwarranted and gratuitous. He was angry and aggressive and frustrated by problems in his relationship with Sarah Jackson. He took out those frustrations on a man whom he saw as one of the obstacles to that relationship and who had the misfortune to cross his path at the wrong time. The nature of the attack he carried out makes it clear that he fully intended to cause serious harm to Andrew. He was so determined to do so that he carried on forcefully punching him in the head, even though he was completely defenceless on the floor and crowed about what he was doing, shouting, not such a big man now, are you? Sarah Jackson gave evidence at the trial. She said of her fling with Coleman, it wasn't a meaningful, loving relationship. No kidding. She told the jury that her memory of the night was patchy, because of how much he'd had to drink in the day that April. The barrister Nelson asked her, You know what I mean by the phrase, playing someone? Did you play Connor Coleman? To which Sally replied, no. Nelson said, Do you think you played your husband? Again she replied, no. Then barrister Nelson asked her about an incident the previous week, on April the 18th, when Coleman punched a door at the cavern in fury because he was jealous of the attention She was paying another man. He said, You were snogging a bloke in the bar, were you not? You did it in front of Connor Coleman, who you were having an affair with. She replied, I was talking to him. I cannot remember kissing him. It was revealed that a week before Andrew was killed, after that incident, his wife brought Coleman back to the family home. As Sarah Jackson heated food and made drinks in the kitchen, Her husband and lover were left alone in the living room with Coleman's mum Caroline and his ex-girlfriend. Wow, how's that for awkward? Sally said the two men had words and Coleman left the house in fury and later said that he wanted to knock out his love rival. This, said the prosecution, is why Coleman had shouted at him not being the big man as he assaulted Andrew and clearly showed a motive to actually wanting to hurt him. Asked whether she told Coleman that her marriage was over, Sarah told the court, No, I didn't know what was happening to my marriage. Andrew and I didn't know what was happening. We had various problems. We decided on the coming Sunday night that we were going to sit and talk about what to do and where we wanted to be. Barrister Nelson said, You were telling this young man, who is 14 or 15 years younger than you, that you wanted to move in with him, weren't you? No, she replied that you were thinking of moving to Stockton with him. Sally again said no, adding, I was thinking of moving on my own to Stockton with the children because it was nearer work. And then finally, Barrister Nelson asked her, do you think of the effects of your actions on other people, Mrs Jackson? Do you? She replied quietly, yes I do. Giving evidence, Coleman told the court that he was only defending himself after being attacked by Andrew. He said he was devastated, his victim and his family. After he was arrested, Coleman told police he felt like a mug, an idiot, and had been used by Sally Coleman. 
In cross-examination, the prosecutor asked Coleman about him only crying during police interviews when he spoke about Sarah Jackson and how she had made him feel when he saw her with another man in the bar. Coleman said, I was upset. I was upset for what she had done and the way she behaved. The QC said, so she made you feel like a mug, an idiot like you've been used. That's the heart of it, isn't it? And Coleman replied, I was upset with the woman. She told me I was her partner. I thought she was being true to me and I was hurt by the way she was behaving. But the prosecutor reiterated that they believed Coleman attacked Andrew because he was humiliated, belittled and furious and because Andrew, as he perceived it, kept getting in the way. The jury took five hours in total to return a not guilty plea on the charge of murder and to find Coleman guilty of manslaughter. The judge, Simon Bourne Arton, jailed Coleman for six years and nine months. There was sobbing from the public gallery, but no visible reaction from Connor Coleman. The judge said, Andrew Jackson was a thoroughly decent man. There had been strains within his marriage, but he was dealing with those with dignity and calmness. You were not so calm and are a thoroughly selfish, immature individual. He added that Coleman's claims he had no personal issue with Andrew Jackson were hollow and false. Andrew Jackson was in no way a threat to you. I do not believe your claim that he came at you. You attacked him because you were angry and frustrated. You immediately struck him a forceful blow and in my view he was almost immediately unconscious and on the ground when you delivered a minimum of four or five further blows. The judge said that Coleman had shown little or no remorse for his actions. He also made clear that whatever people thought of the behaviour of Sally Jackson, this was not her fault that Andrew died. It was the actions of Connor Coleman which led to the death of Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson's family, speaking outside court, described the six-year, nine-month sentence handed down to his killer as too short. Following the trial, his sister Sally had been the wrong sentence, but we can't change that. As a family, we did believe the attack on Andrew was murder. He's never coming back, but Connor Coleman has his life. Andrew's life was taken from us far too soon. As a family, how do we come to terms with that loss knowing we will never see him for another birthday, another Christmas, or any other family occasion. She also said the family disagreed with the judge's assertion that no blame should be attached to Sarah Jackson, adding, As a family, we ultimately believe that his wife's actions led to the tragic death of Andrew. And Andrew's dad, Peter Jackson, himself a former police detective, said, My son Andrew will always be in my heart and always be missed. He was a motorsport fan who'd been due to take his mum to Silverstone to mark her 70th birthday, a trip which will now never happen. He concluded, Andrew should be here with us today, living his life to the full, but it was taken away from him at the hands of another. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Distressing story, isn't it? But really it's a classic story of jealousy, as old as humanity itself. It's hard not to feel, well, disappointed, shall we say, about the conduct of Sarah Jackson. I wonder when she reflects how she feels about events now. But then I'm sure there are people known to you and me who've behaved much worse, but without such a severe conclusion. The blame ultimately does squarely fit with the behaviour of Coleman, doesn't it?
But whatever you feel about the causes of the attack, it does not change the fact that Andrew's family and friends have been left devastated by his premature death at just 43. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. Please join almost 1,400 of us on Facebook to discuss this case and any other aspects of UK True Crime. Or if you'd like to support the show, please head to patreon.com for 18 bonus episodes, number 19 coming in September, and other exclusive content. So that is all from me for now. So until we speak again next week, it's cheerio, take it easy, and stay classy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.